Hello, podcast listeners. This is Todd Finley, the founder of HBCU Grad. On this episode, I spoke with two HBCU grads who are authors, best friends, and genuine souls. In this conversation, we talked about why they chose HBCUs, their HBCU experiences, what good came out of the pandemic for them, music, how to publish a book, and so much more. I'm sure you'll like this interview. Hope you enjoy. All right, from composition notebooks to published books, best friends Shanice Farmer and Janae Cheyenne have always been writers. The dynamic best friend duo met in ninth grade and have been inseparable going on 11 years now. While technology was rapidly taking over their worlds, they bonded most in the simplest way by sharing a number of journals to document their high school adventures, thoughts, and dreams. It was destined for them to become authors. Even with Shanice being a teacher and Janae working in the hospitality industry, they both managed to keep writing at the forefront. Approximately five years ago, Shanice started her blog, Sincerely Shanice, where she shares her thoughts, feelings, and opinions. Janae created her Instagram page, Journal with JC, in 2020, helping people to start their journaling journey with tips and prompts. It was only a matter of time before they both took the leap to publish their thoughts in the form of a book. Sincere Thoughts and She Shot at the Moon both include a journey down memory lane where the authors share personal experiences, relatable quotes, journal journal questions, and writing prompts, all geared toward providing a resource for healthier living. Sincere Thoughts, Shanice shares her personal insight for healing and dealing with trauma in her six by nine, 116 page book. Janae's guided journal, She Shot at the Moon, includes 76 pages of short stories and line blank pages designed for the reader to journal aloud. I want to start with a question that I don't normally start with, and I'll start with you, Janae. Janae, what's the first app you open when you wake up in the morning? You got you to take off your mute. There we go. There we go. You too, Shanice. I would probably say maybe messages. <laughs> yeah, probably messages because usually I wake up and I'm missing some message. Uh, okay. Okay. Then I can't lie, like routinely Instagram. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Shanice? I would say the same. Um, most times it's um, messages and then Instagram based on pretty much based on whatever notifications are on my phone, but mostly Instagram. I go straight to Instagram. Yes. <laughs> I try not to. I try. Right. I'm a habits person and I definitely like can tell if a habit is unhealthy. But what I feel the main reason is like Instagram is my main source of information. Like I don't really like watching the news because it's so overwhelming to see so much happening. So it's like you catch bits and pieces on Instagram, but it's like Instagram and Twitter just happen to be my main sources of information to find out what's going on. So it's like the first thing. It's the news. <laughs> it's like it's the news, you know? <laughs> right. All right. Makes sense. Janae, give me a quick synopsis of who you are and how you got to where you are today. Okay. Um, let's see. So I've worked in, like I said, my major was in hospitality management. Um, so I've always been a fan of events. Um, that's my passion. I just, I'm a very chill person, you know, um, but really go with the flow, which is kind of why journaling is good for me to like kind of get me a structure as best as I can because um, I am a free spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like basically just doing that journaling and trusting my journey, like that's how I feel like I've been through every career path that I've been in and just following my journey. Um, it, it It's pretty, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> no, like That's right. one thing I, I tell people all the time. Like, I don't know how to really explain, you know, myself, like the person I am. Because I don't even know. Like, I just kind of go day by day, and I trust that everything works out. So, Right. That, that makes sense. Now when, you, now, when you get your thoughts out, do you think that's the best way to analyze them, or do you analyze your thoughts when they're already in your head? Oh, um, I probably analyze my thoughts, like, when they're already in my head. But what's also interesting is that's why I write. I have to write everything down. That's why I started journaling. 
um, because that's how I kind of like, okay, if I write everything out, then I know what my path needs to be. I know what I'm focused on. So that's the best way that I really get through my thoughts. I even like brainstorm sometimes and take notes. Okay. Okay. What about you, Shanice? Tell us who you are and give us a little bit about your journey up until today. Um, okay. So I feel like I'm the complete opposite. Like I literally have to do this every year. Um, often team building exercises with me being a teacher and I still get stuck to this day. Um, but I would just describe myself as a very loving, outgoing, um, involved. Like I really love helping people. Um, so everything I do is centered around helping someone else. Um, I, what else would I use to describe myself? Uh, <laughs> I'm just a happy person. I'm always, not always, but I try my best to just always be positive. Um, very optimistic, outgoing. So that's that's just like me, social. I'm really like right. social. I think okay. I have to be. <laughs> right. Makes sense. Why did you choose the HBC you went to? Well, I know, but tell tell everyone what HBC you went to and what went into your choice. Okay, so I chose Savannah State University, um, the illustrious university by the sea. And I feel like um HBCUs, they kind of choose you. That's that's my that's my take on it because and I feel this way because me and me and Janae, we had this plan to actually go to Savannah State together because mm-hmm. her mom took us on like a um a college tour where we would just go to different open houses to kind of get a feel of where we wanted to go. Um, and we went to Savannah State first. And for me, it was like, oh, this is home. Like, this is it. Like, I love the atmosphere. We went to a basketball game. And at this time, we're in high school, 11th grade, and we're at a college basketball game. And I'm like, it was homecoming 2.0. But I didn't know that at the time. So we're experiencing, you know, I'm seeing people with body paint run around. And it's like, People in the stands are just extra lit. And I'm like, what is this? Like, we're we're really in the middle of like a party type of vibe. And I was just like, I love it. And I feel like HBCUs choose you because we also went to Alabama State. And on the way back, we decided to stop at Tuskegee. And for Janae, it was like, oh, I love it. You know, like this is home. And I'm like, what do you see? Because I don't see it. I don't feel it. So I feel like HBCUs kind of choose you. It's where you're going to feel most comfortable, where you're going to feel most at home um, and where you're going to feel the most loved. So I feel like anytime you step on the HBCU campus, it's something about that campus that's going to just grab you in and it's going to choose you like this is where I want to be. This is this is home. So that's what made me choose Savannah State University. It felt like home. (laughs) Makes sense. Now, Janae, I know you saw, you know, Tuskegee and was like, this is home. What's what's your more detailed version of what went into your process of choosing your HBCU? It's so crazy because like she said, so we went to Alabama State for their open house first. And Mm -hmm. honestly, like we were not interested at all. You know, like we just had... We just, I don't know, you know, it just wasn't that day. So on the way back, one of my sister's best friends, um, she was like, you know, I'm at Tuskegee. I want Janetta to come by so she could see the campus. And we went, was it like, I think we went in ninth grade for a field trip. We went to the campus. But of course, ninth grade, like we were not thinking about school at all. Like we were just there. And so when we actually went back, um, we just walked around the campus and I was like, it is so beautiful. Like that's, I think that's what I just couldn't get over was how pretty it was like. And then it was actually that their open house was like the same day as another school's open house. It might've been Savannah State actually. Like they had something going on on the same weekend as Tuskegee's. And I was like, well, I've been to Savannah State already. So I kind of know what to expect there. I might as well go down to Tuskegee's open house. And it's crazy. I talk about it in the book. Like I went down there for open house and I'm just like, oh, okay. You know, you see the cheerleaders, the band, and then everybody's just singing ball and parlay. And I'm like, okay, I can see myself here. Like, I really like it. And then they start asking, okay, we need to get the security deposit. And my mom was like, okay, you need to make a decision right now. (laughs) So I did. And she's like, okay, well, you can't turn back around because you just, we just paid the deposit. 
And I was like, well, that's fine with me. I'm happy with my choice. And I'm, I love Tuskegee. So I tell people all the time, like, for one, go to an HBCU. You know, Tuskegee preferably, but just going to HBCU, it's the best thing for you, in my opinion. <laughs> now, what was the experience like? Tell me about your, you know, your four years. Okay. Um, so, like I said, I was a cheerleader, actually. So I cheered all, all four years. And I really enjoyed that, you know, the traveling, of course, going to different states and seeing different schools. That was always fun. Um, and then if anybody has ever been to Tuskegee, then you know, we don't have much down there. So you really have to make it fun on your own. You know, we don't even have a Walmart. You have to go to Montgomery or Auburn to go to Walmart. So it's really just building your character, you know, to make you realize that you have everything you really need around you. Um, so just utilize what you have. But the connections that I've made there, um, like I just left from having brunch with two of my best friends that I met there. And so it's just like we still stay in contact. You know, it's just a family. And I really enjoyed it. You know, my major is not the biggest major hospitality, but I still had everything and more that I needed to get my pathway together. So I would definitely say my experience was everything. I loved it. <laughs> OK, nice. Denise, what was your experience like? And what year did you pledge? Um, 2016. So I had overall, I had a, a great experience with Savannah State. Um, I definitely feel like attending an HBCU, um, it it built me, it molded me into a better woman. Um, just to have so many, um, to be surrounded around so many African Americans that are headed in a positive direction. Even if you had people that were, you know, steering or you know going in a different direction to see so many pop lights, a positive surrounding of African-American culture. It was just like overwhelmingly like joy right. overall. But I definitely loved um, the culture of an HBCU. It wasn't like a huge campus. So I didn't get super overwhelmed. Um, my classes were small. So I, I was able to build that personal connection with my professors. I felt known. I felt seen. Um, I felt like I had a community to support and to help me. Um, and I realized that early because my freshman year, my sister passed um, two weeks of me being at Savannah State. And it was like really, really hard because I'm like I'm 400 miles away from home. Um, I don't have any friends yet. I don't have any family here. But what I loved was. Um, I came in so social and, you know, I was very outgoing. I had a very strong personality. So when people started to notice that change in my freshman dorm, you know, people would be like, hey, are you OK? Like people that I didn't even know that had kind of found out what happened, they would check in on me. And it just I felt so much love and support. And that's exactly what I needed. And I talked about it in my book, how, um, you know, just having my professors know who I was. Um, to be seen by my professors and for them to notice like, OK, this is what she has going on. I'm starting to see like she's slipping with her grades or her focus is not here. They would pull me in the office and be like, how can I support you um, for you to pass my class? Because, you know, ultimately you're paying for it and we want to see you do well. And I didn't feel like I would have gotten that experience or that support at a, in a different setting. So I definitely appreciate the smaller um, more intimate settings of an HBCU. Um, me and Janae, we talked about just religion. Um, HBCUs, you know, you're, you're, they have campus vans or, you know, churches that um, partner with the school. So I was able to still, you know, go to church and have that, um, that spiritual side to keep me grounded because that's what I was used to. So van, you know, van come pick you up and take you to church. It was just like, okay, this this is I'm home. You know, I'm I home. I told her the other day we were talking about it and like there was a church that we would go to and they would actually pay for like give you five dollars for lunch or something because they knew that as students, if we went to church, we'll probably miss, you know, breakfast and maybe miss lunch as well. So, you know, they kinda always would just like take care of us and Everybody, we were kind of like, okay, this is an incentive to go to church. But, you know, <laughs> of course, that was just us thinking that. But just the fact that you have a community behind you that's going to help, and especially with 
most HBCUs being in, you know, smaller towns or, you know, where it is mainly like a black population. So they're helping us, you know, to like we feed off of each other. So. Were you a writer as a child? Yeah. <laughs> <Both>. <laughs> 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 but definitely for me, because I was the only child for 13 years. So um, the whole first half of my life, you know, I, all I could do was write. I didn't have any siblings to go in. Um, well, I had siblings on my dad's side, but siblings that I was just super close with, I didn't really have anybody to vent to. So I kept a diary at the book fairs in elementary school. That's the main thing I wanted. I would get a book um, or two, but I definitely always would go and buy a diary from those book fairs. Anything that I could write on, um, I would write on anything. Anytime it was a pen or pencil in my hand, I was writing something. Even if it was my name. <laughs> Me and Shanice, like, we would be in class and just get a sheet of paper and just write. Just yeah, random stuff. Just fill the paper with random stuff. <laughs> that's, that's super cool. Because that's one of the telltales. Because if someone, because Beyonce sang as a child. LeBron mm -hmm. James played basketball as a child. Whatever you do as a child is yeah. really purely who you are. So mm -hmm. I always want to know, you know, what did you do as a child? So with that being said, I believe that certain things can be like, I'm pretty sure I can go take a dancing class, but I'm probably never going to be Chris Brown. You know, how much of writing is a talent and how much of it is a skill? I'll start with you, Shanice. <laughs> um, so for me, it took me a while to honestly like, have the confidence in my writing people would always say you know your words like you have a way with words and i'm like you know i'm just saying how i feel and they're like but it's the way that you say it so i feel like you know writing especially when it's expressive writing it's um it's definitely talent like you have to um like the, to make words connect to make words actually have like feelings because uh, a lot of stuff like I can write something I, I like to write poems too um, so in my book that's why I put relatable quotes in there because I like to write poems and to just take a random topic or something that I see or something that somebody is going through or that I'm going through personally and turn it into like this page of emotions so as you're reading it's like wow I feel this I feel like it's it's talent like you know humbling right. talent <laughs> it is but it just is. taking the time out to write and, you know, format it, that's more so of a skill. Um, but right. definitely when you can make people feel your words, I feel like that's that's a talent. Right. Do you agree, Janae? Yes. Like, yeah. I think I think you put I think you I think you put it perfectly. Like, perfect, yeah. <laughs> you know, making people connect with it, that's a talent. But mm -hmm. you know the structure and different things like that. That's a that's a skill. That, that was pretty good. So, Janae, how do you become a better writer? Is it just writing all the time? Is it reading? So you take how somebody else's write, how somebody else writes, and put it into how you write. How do you become a better writer? I like exactly what you said. You know, over time, you just you get to know your writing skills and how you like to write. You find your your lane. Um, and like you said as well, you know, when you read more books, you know, I've been trying to get back into reading. When I was younger, I would read all the time. Like Barnes and Nobles was my favorite place. But, you know, of course that kind of fell off, but getting back into it. Um, and then I think that's why I try and challenge myself with different prompts. So that I can, you know, take myself sometimes out of my box, but just get my thoughts flowing because it's easy to get writer's block. You know, so like we I know me and Shanice, we both do a lot of expressive writing. So it's like when we're just in that mood or like when there's something going on, it's, it's not much to kind of just put it down and write. But, you know, keeping yourself fresh by trying new things or, you know, just challenging myself that it helps a lot. Um, and then I think. Just taking the time to reread my stuff as well, um, reading over old things and just critiquing every little thing that I might do, that's going to always help me as well. Right. I had mm -hmm. a teacher in the seventh grade 
Mrs. Rose. And she's the first one that taught me how to write a five paragraph essay. Yeah. Where your intro sentence, then your conclusion, and you know, putting the structure of it together. Yes. To this day, people say I'm a really good writer, but I didn't read up until like I, you know, they would give us books. It was all fiction up until 12th grade, and then they gave me Gifted Hands by Ben Carson. And I'm ashamed, you know, of Ben Carson now, but that was I read that book. It was like 300 pages, and I read it in three days, and I had never read a full book that the school gave us up until then. Who was the first person, Shanice, that really taught you how to structure your writing and really brought that love of writing out of you? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. So I feel like it was a combination, honestly, of um, my teacher and who did I have? I had Miss Houston. Um, what was another language arts teacher? Uh, Miss Johnson, did you take her? I had I, I had Miss Houston for sure, but it was like my teacher, you know, the structure part came from school, but the talent part, I feel like it enhanced, honestly, from Janae, because I would look at her, right, because we had these composition notebooks, and it was crazy because we would literally have class together, so we would be together all day, and this would be stuff we could sit next to each other at lunch or in class and be like, hey, I got this going on, but we would literally write it down. Um, take it. I'll take it home one night, write how I feel, how my day went, what I felt, what I went through, and then bring it back the next day. She would respond to what I wrote and then she would write how she felt. And I felt like that allowed me to build off yeah. of her writing skills to improve my own. So it might be like, OK, Janae did a really, really good job of expressing <laughs> how she felt today. And I needed I want to do a better job because it's like I told her how I felt, but I didn't really like tell her how I felt. So then the next day I would be like, okay, let me try writing this way. And it just was a constant thing. And we did it for years. So we were just, you probably was just <laughs> and I feel like that definitely helped with the expressive part and the, um, the talent part of it. Yeah. Right. Janae, how important is radical candor when you're talking about a friendship? Because I'm, that's my weakness. I'm not good uh, at telling someone that I'm close to that I don't like something. I'm good at doing the positive part. And you guys still seem to be close after all those years. How important is it to be radically candid? Well, I think the first thing is me and Shanice, like we're one and the same as we're just genuine people. For one, like we are very genuine and we are, I, I say, we overstand people. So, for one, if one of us, like, if we're saying anything to each other, like, we know it's not coming from anything but a genuine place. So, you know, it's that part, you know, it's that piece because you know that, okay, we're only telling this to each other to help each other. Um, and then secondly, like, we also know, like, we're always growing and we're not too caught, you know, in our ego or anything to think that one thing is better than the next or that we have all the answers. We know we don't have all the answers. Like we're going to do whatever we can to help each other grow. And just both of those together. That's why, I mean, I think that's why we've been friends for so long and never, you know, really had a falling out, nothing. Like we just constantly, we know that we have each other's back. Like it's, we just helping each other to build and grow constantly. I would say, not only are we over overstanding, but we also um, what I've noticed is that we both have this constant um, willingness to grow. So we're constantly trying to figure out how can we be the best version of ourselves. So if something, you know, or if one of us is doing something that we don't feel, you know, like, hey, I don't feel like you moving right or you're making the best decision it's easy to tell because it's like we're constantly trying to figure out how to be the best version of ourselves and i think that's the other part of what has helped our friend circle grow um because we know that we're able you know if janae goes and meet someone like college friends she can bring them back to me and it'd be like they're they're my friends in the same i can bring my friends and it's be like these are janae friends because yeah, we're really like one of the same and then we're overstanding and we have this constant willingness to grow. So we know if someone is telling us something, it's not because they are trying to hurt us or it's really like constructive criticism. And, and it's funny too, like we don't even have to say anything most times. Like if it's something that 
and we're very opposite too. Like even when it comes to like what we wear, just all kind of stuff. So like it would be something if I don't like it. Like we both, both of us would do like a, uh, and we automatically know like okay, we you don't like it. (laughs) So so when y'all go out to brunch, who orders the bottomless mimosas? Is it Janae or Shanae? Janae. (laughs) Now, now Shanice, since you're a teacher, I know the pandemic was probably tough. What good came out of the pandemic for you? First of all, rest. Um, (laughs) As a teacher, like we are like constantly overworked and underpaid and as hard as it or as easy as it sounds like just leave your work at home or I mean, leave the work at work. But most of the baggage that teachers take home is emotional baggage. I saw a child come to school today and, you know, they just lost a loved one or they said that they didn't eat last night. And now I got to take that home with me. I'm not taking the, the social studies work home with me. I'm taking the emotional baggage of these kids that I'm with every day for eight hours home with me. So I felt like this year it was more of a, I was able to connect with the kids without so much um, emotional baggage. And most times we don't have enough time to just detox from what we've encountered that day. We may have encountered 10 kids that had something different going on and we had to take all of that on, be a teacher, a counselor, um, a parent. And then we go home and you got to cook or you got to get you something to eat, uh, watch, take a little self-care time, watch my favorite show, get in the shower. Then a weekend come. I really only have Saturday because Sunday I'm getting ready for work again on Monday. So I feel like rest was definitely the best thing I got out of the pandemic. Um, And it was Virtual was like a whole different experience, like meeting kids through a computer computer screen and trying to figure out personalities and make social studies interactive on the computer. It was definitely like crazy. So rest, being able to just teach from the comfort of my home because this is my peace and where I have my get regain my sanity. Being able to teach from that setting was like a plus. Right. Makes sense. What about you, Janae? Because, you know, with you being hospitality events, you know, it kind of probably turned everything upside down. Did you get anything good? (laughs) So, like, literally, um, my first, when was it? So, I was working for the Hawks here at Phillips Arena. And I remember, like, building up to the pandemic, how it was at first, like, okay, it's nothing serious. And then we'll just add some hand sanitizer stations around the arena. And then it just kept getting worse. And so in the midst of that. About two weeks. People were like, okay, we'll be off for two weeks or a month. Yeah, you know, like it just kept getting worse. And then um, in the midst of all of that, I got a job offer to go back up to Kansas City where I was working before um, with my old job at the Royal Stadium. So I went up there my first day. That's when the NBA shut down, like literally. And so from that moment, it just went from, okay, well, only management will be in the office. Okay, cool. So then we were there for like a week or two. And then it was like, okay, well, all management has to leave the office, but you can still work from home. Okay. So we worked from home for probably like a month before we got um, furloughed. And so it was just like that happened. And then I was like, well, I can't. I was in Kansas City and I I did not want to just stay up there during the entire pandemic by myself with all of my family in Atlanta. So, you know, and I I enjoyed it. I did enjoy like the first couple of months because I just had peace and quiet. It was just me. But then I would realize I would go two weeks without leaving at all because, I mean, where could we go? (laughs) You know, so I was like, okay, let me go back home or at least until we figure something out, because, Baseball season has to come back at some point, right? <laughs> so I went home and then I just started working. I um, started working at a small restaurant and helping them to build a blackout restaurant in Douglasville. And then just freelancing from there. And then in February of last year, I think that's when things what was. Yeah, no, it was February of this year. Um, my job, they actually called because they were bringing us all back. And I was like, 
I think I'm gonna stay at home. You know, like I loved it there. I loved everything I was doing, but I just knew in my spirit too, like, okay, God keeps bringing you back home for a reason. You're supposed to do work here, focus on the things that you're supposed to focus on. So everything worked out, but it, yeah, it definitely was a big change because of COVID. You're right. <laughs> That was actually another good thing that for me that came from the pandemic. My patience for black owned businesses, it grew Um, because prior to, you know, it would be like you have one bad experience at a black owned at a black owned business. And it's like, oh, I can't come back here or they're unprofessional, their customer service. But during the pandemic, my patience like. I was over patient and it just it, it brought out a different level of support for black owned businesses because you saw not only were we going through the pandemic, but here in Atlanta, you know, it was so much with the police brutality and the shootings and the Black Lives Matters movements. It was so much going on with that. And you saw all these different corporations and how they were handling um, the whole Black Lives Matter. And we support you and we stand with you. And it was just like, OK. Like, you know, how they were treating their employees, it made me like, okay, I got to go and find a black owned restaurant or let me go shop here at this black owned store. I had a bad experience. I had one at Walmart, too, but I went back. So we're going to go back and we're going to try it again. So my patience for black owned businesses grew tremendously during the pandemic. And I learned so much like I wouldn't have changed anything for the world. So like working at the restaurant, I was able to see firsthand, like, of course, I've worked in restaurants before. I've been in this business for like five years, but it's always been corporate, you know. So you have the money, you have everything in place, you have the structures, but being somewhere where they're building everything from the ground up. And then it's, you know, like I said, it's a black owned family business. So you're working to make everything like every little detail counts. Everything you spend money on, it counts. You know, you can't just slip on anything. And I think that's what people don't get about black owned businesses and small businesses, too. But, you know, mainly black owned businesses, because we are trying to learn as we go. You know, we don't know everything firsthand. You're trying to figure it out. And you have to have patience. Like Chini said, if you can have patience at Walmart and continue to go back and forth, then why can't you have patience with a person that's trying, you know, and you know where they're coming from is a good place. So I would say like, I've just learned so much just being back in Atlanta and just on the ground working and doing different things and not being in a corporate setting. Um, Experience. You can't beat that. That's all, you know, you can't beat it. (laughs) Experience is underrated. It's super underrated. (laughs) Now, Right. Now, I want to kind of I'm always thinking how we can just drive more value for the audience. And a lot of people want to write books. Can you guys walk me through the process of writing a book and getting it out here just from A to Z? Shanice. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So for me, I feel like my experience was um, different from most authors. I wrote my book in 30 days. Um, that was the first thing. And I got it published. My publishing process probably took um, two months. And that's from start to finish, like sending my manuscript in to me actually getting my first printed copy of my book. So all in all, I had like a three month process. And so what what made my process a lot easier is the fact that I blogged. So I've blogged for um, roughly like seven years. Um, So I had so much content to build off of. I didn't have a title when I started off. And I feel like that's where most people get stuck because it's like you try to you look at a book and the first thing you think about is a title. Um, And then it's like what the book is going to be about. And that's where people feel like they have to start. So it's like, oh, I don't have a title yet for the book. And then I really don't know what it's about. So I can't start writing yet. But I would suggest write first. Then you put your structure on it. And then you think of a title and then you go from there. So my process really looked like me sitting at my computer one day and I just started typing up, typing what I felt like. And um, I didn't start in chapter one. Chapter one of my book talks about childhood trauma. That wasn't where I started. I actually started with um, 
the end, like where I was at the time in that emotional space, I was talking about healing because I was so big on healing during the pan- during the pandemic. So during quarantine, I took so much time to kind of get to know myself and to think about what I had been through and how could I move forward. So I actually started with that. And then I thought back, well, what are you healing from? And that's when I was like, oh, let's start with childhood. Then I was like, oh, I had this relationship. So let's go there. Then I was like, I, you know, I lost my granddad recently and I lost my sister. So let's talk about that. And then this is where I am right now. So I kind of worked backwards. So mine was like a backwards process. And I started typing. Um, Once I kind of started typing, I formatted. Okay, I want chapters. Then I named my chapters and then I talked about and then I went to the title. The title was like the last thing I did. I was like, what can I call this? And I was like, well, you know, my blog is Sincerely Shanice. And I was like, what about Sincere Thoughts? Because this is just as real as it's going to get from me right now. And that's boom. And I contacted Janae because she had published her book first. And I was like, you know, publishing company. We went through Palmetto Publishing. I had my manuscript ready. I had everything. I even designed my own cover art. And I told him, I was like, I already did a mock-up of how I want my cover to look. I was like, butterflies. I just knew I wanted butterflies. (laughs) (laughs) and um, everything was handled through email, and it was like really, really a good response time, turnaround. I would send edits that need to be made, and they would respond within um, three to four days, so that also helped the process, and it was like once I submitted my manuscript, and um, it was a back and forth of just, do you want this? Any changes need to be made? It was really like a sitting process, and one day I just was talking to my mom and my aunt and my mom was like, yeah, you know, she's writing a book. My aunt Googled my name and she was like, oh, your book is on Amazon. And I was like, what? Really? Like, I didn't even know. I was in Walmart before I was going to work and it was like, oh, wow. yeah, Amazon. So that's that was cool. like my publishing process. Yeah, that's cool. That's too cool. What about you, Janae? How, does, how did your process go from like if you were talking to an author that has never written a book, never been around authors, didn't even know that you could publish a book, how would you walk them through the process? It's really, I mean, like Shani said, I kind of had the content to it already because I took everything from my journals. Like I finally had completed a journal cover to cover and I had everything packed in there. My granny, she told me, she was like, you know, you just sitting in Kansas City you know, you're not doing much right now during the pandemic. You should just go ahead and write your book. So I said, okay, I will. Um, so I put everything there on paper. And so if anybody, like you're not an author, you're not a writer, I think that's where you start, like Shanice said, you know, first just write out your thoughts. Like just whatever's coming up, just write it. You know, whatever you're feeling, anything, like know what you want to write, you know, to, you know, kind of know this is the format I'm going in. You know, if I want to make a story, of course, like if I want short, different short stories, I want to do poems or I want to make sure I incorporate this, like kind of have a list of everything. Um, It's crazy because I could say maybe before I even started writing, I knew, okay, I want to write a book. And in one of my journals, I actually broke down like all of the chapters that I would end up having Um, just because I think it's one of the journal prompts I've done before, but like a timeline of your life. Um, So that's what I did because I like to reflect a lot and just see what's happened. And so that was one thing I did is just I wanted to make a timeline to see what happened in this moment to have this next moment happen, you know, just to get every single thing that kind of happened in my life and put it on paper so I could really see it. Um, So just brainstorming that's probably the first step and then once you've brainstormed everything and then you kind of see the pathway that you want to go on then just go ahead and start typing it out and have somebody around for feedback because like Shani said me and her we always go back and forth and we're always you know helping each other giving each other feedback on what we see um get different people to read it too so that it's not just like if I just had my friend group that would be you know it might all end up being the same thing because we are all similar in a lot of ways. Um, So that was probably, that's the next step. Just make sure you have somebody to read over it, to edit it. Um, Of course, have a professional editor, but also have an editor that's close to you too, who can tell you like, okay, you didn't mean to actually say this, or, you know, are you sure you want to say it in this way? Because they will know exactly how you're talking more than anybody else. 
Um, but yeah, so once that happened, I at first I was going to self-publish. I was dead straight. Like, that's what I wanted to do. And I was like, okay, I don't have time to figure this out. So let me just start looking for a publishing company. And the way it happened was crazy. At the restaurant I started working at when I first moved back home, um, the first event I did there was a book signing event for a lady who worked next door. And we started talking and she told me the publishing company and that just opened the door. And it's crazy how stuff goes in full circle because I had left for a while. Like I wasn't really working there. And then I came back to pick some things up or drop stuff off. And she was there. And I know I was dropping my books off actually to sell. And she was there the day I came in. And I was like, this is a full circle moment. Like you're the one who opened the door for me basically to write my book. Um, but I would just say, you know, once I started the process with the publishing company. We'll, we'll bring, we'll bring Janae back. You may have had a issue right there. Janice, what made you want to be a Sigma Gamma Rho? Oh, okay. So. Had to switch it up. <laughs> I, I didn't know anything about Greek life, um, because I am a first generation grad in my family. Um. Mm -hmm. I have one uncle that's Greek, but at the time I didn't like, you know, I didn't know that only person I ever known to be Greek was Janae's mother. Um, okay. She was a Delta. And so, you know, of course, going over there, she would always have elephants and stuff like that. But it wasn't like anything that caught my attention. So freshman year, um, there weren't any SG rows on the on the yard freshman year. They had actually crossed in um, 2013. I came in 2013. So they were leaving. Most of them. So I had um, the RAs in my building were the ladies were deltas and the male RAs were, and they were mean. <laughs> they were kind of mean, like you know, they weren't like the most welcoming. They did their job, but you know, they were really standoffish. And I knew I didn't want to be AKA. I didn't know anything about Zetas. And one day I saw um, the issue rose, and I was like. They just stood out to me. They weren't like doing anything too extra. They were just, and I was like, who, who are they? Like, so I started doing research. And the more that I started doing research, the founders are teachers. And I'm like, okay, this really like aligns with who I am and, you know, my lifestyle. So I definitely started to pursue it because it just lined up with my life. But they just stood out to me. Like, um, when I did approach one of them, just, you know, on some casual conversation or I think we were actually at a kickback or something like that in the same setting. We just started talking and I was like, okay, this is different because, you know, I'm coming from my freshman year and, you know, it wasn't like they weren't very welcoming. So I'm like, uh, so I'm like, okay, great life might, might not be that bad. But <laughs> after I did my research, I was like, okay, I, I want to work with kids. My founders work with kids. I was like, definitely aligns with my lifestyle and of course you know <laughs> everything is, I just loved it like it just really like spoke they just stood out to me actually okay okay that makes sense all right Janelle, we got we got you back here now what's what's the next step what's the next step in for uh for coming up with your book and putting the whole book together oh. yeah so um yeah, once I found the publishing company, like Shani said, they basically handled everything. Like, I will recommend them every day um, because they stay on you. They And how Shani said, like, she kind of knocked everything out right away. I was kind of just taking my time. Like, it was like that was something I was doing on the side because I was working and I'm always so busy. So I would forget, like, okay, I have to send this manuscript off. Like, hurry up and send it. Or I'll check my email and they sent me something a few days ago. And I'm like, let me make sure that I, you know, focus on this. But at the same time, I was still working. So that was my first priority. Um, so finally, like, you know, they definitely, they take the time to, help you out. If you have any questions, you can call them. And so once um, I finished that and I sent everything over to them, I had my godbrother, he's an editor actually. So he edited the book for me professionally. Um, and then once I sent everything over, they send you this stuff back, you know, go ahead and put your, how would you like it cover? All of that. And you just 
finished the process. And what Shani said, like, I wasn't even aware that it was on Amazon either at first. My mom found it and started telling everybody. And I was like, wait, I wasn't even ready because, you know, we have to think of how exactly to roll this out. And in that sense, I'm kind of happy that it was on Amazon because I can, you know, we all might do a little self-sabotaging sometimes. So it was just like, okay, yes, I wrote this book, but am I ready to just release it to everybody? Um, and my mom didn't give me a chance because <laughs> I think I sent, I, she found out it was on Amazon and then she just sent the link. If anybody knows my mom, she sends a million group messages out and she sent a link to everybody like, Oh, Janae's book is on Amazon. I'm like, I don't even have my own website up, but <laughs> so, you know, definitely after you finish publishing, like it's straight into marketing because nobody's going to push your book like you. Nobody's going to even know your story and what you're doing besides you, you know, how, what are they going to know about? me you know just a girl from atlanta so how do i put my book out there and it's relatable and having the website you know that's when you really start to build your business now you know because it's one thing to have just a book and you know you can hold on to that forever of course but now you have to get people to hear about it and to read it and connect with it um so that would definitely be the next step <laughs> right now let's let's double click into here a little bit Mm -hmm. And marketing for like marketing is tough. It's not easy to push something without being pushy. Mm -hmm. So what I've noticed in the wild is authors are putting books out and I've seen it from like tens of different authors and they're teaching other authors how to become writers or teaching people how to make a book. Is that what's being told is how you market it or how do you how do you market a book? Well, first off, you it, it's, it's kind of like a like how you said the intro and stuff. You really got to grab their attention. Mm -hmm. So what I think we did a really, really good job um, and is our cover. Mm -hmm. So um, do you have your book? I mean, but so that's what tends to grab the attention of most people when they see our book. Yes. It's like for me, they see the the girl with the curly hair and the butterflies, and then even down to the texture of the book. People are like, "Oh, it feels like a book. It feels like a journal, which you can write in it." So I feel like that has definitely set our book aside from most books. It's because it doesn't look like your average book, and it doesn't feel like a book. And I feel like that's what discourages most people from reading. Uh, it's the heavy, the heaviness of the book. Like, you know, you see it. Oh, it doesn't have pictures in it. it. It's a big chapter book. And for a book to have so much content and so much meaning to it and just be compiled into just a few pages, I feel like it grasps people's attention. Yes. And the fact that I don't have to just sit and get information, I'm able to actually write mm -hmm. in it, process along the way. So I feel like that has definitely helped with setting our book aside when it comes to marketing. And then it's just like, it's, it's something different. Yeah. These two young black authors. Um, we want to know what, what y'all are doing. Like yeah. you, you get on Instagram, you get on social media, you rarely see people pushing the book, like in our, <laughs> in our age group and where yeah. we're, from. you rarely see people like, this is what I have to offer. I don't have my own clothing brand. I don't have, hair, I don't do nails, I don't do makeup, I am selling a book. I'm selling something to um for you to read, like for you to do something that's actually out of the ordinary for most people because you know being honest with um ebooks and just so much content on your phone, people rarely are taking the time to actually go out buy a book and sit down and read it. So that just has been the main thing. And lastly with the marketing what has helped is that mental health has become um, one of those topics that are like widely talked about now. And people are finally, especially in the African-American community, and I love it, people are finally sitting down and taking the time to say, what can I do to help myself? What can I do to be a better version of myself? What can I do to um, improve myself emotionally and mentally? And just having this as a tool, knowing that it was written by two young black women uh, thing that has helped with marketing. Right. Janae, I'm going to talk about something that Shanice just said. Yeah. Is, is there a stigma 
around self-publishing and really being published? Is there a stigma around self-publishing? Um, honestly, I don't. I wouldn't say, like, I wouldn't say, you know, yes or no. Um, because I think what's crazy is the way that we kind of, we've went about doing our books. We're just now kind of exploring the author community um, in the writing community in a sense, you know, because we've always done writing, but just in our own way, not really in a formal way. Um, so I know I just wanted to self-publish because it's something like just doing it myself. Like that's something I had a stigma. And it's crazy because I think we, me and Shanice, we talked about it before, um, just being black and just having that self-made drive, you know, that's something that we've always definitely wanted to do. Um, but if somebody else can help you out with it, that knows better than you, why wouldn't you make that investment? I don't see why not. Yeah. I think the negative, the negative stigma actually is, it actually goes against using a publish publishing company. Yeah. People look at it like, I don't want to spend that money. Um, you know, I can do this myself. And I had that mindset a little bit too at first. Yeah. Um, like I can read over it and edit it myself. But when you know going through the publishing process, I would suggest, you know, anyone's first book to go through a publishing process. Yeah. And that definitely helps improve your writing if you plan to release more books because it's like you know, we know how to articulate really, really well. But what we've been conditioned to do for so long is to type and to write exactly how we talk. Yeah. We may not always use the correct um, terms or um, the spelling or verbiage. And when you get into, unless you're like a, um, a writing or like a literature or some, something around writing major, where you can definitely like pick out those little tidbits or uh, mm -hmm. those here or semicolon here, you know, it's very, very important because when you're reading back, those are going to be the things that people pick out with your book. And then um, I feel like going through a publishing um, company, it helps with marketing. So I would say definitely um, your first book should go through a publishing process um, company, especially if you haven't had a chance to interact with other authors. Um, it definitely opens up your eyes and you gain more knowledge and more information and it makes it easier for the next book or for you to help somebody else. Mm -hmm. Right. Makes sense. Janae, will your future children have to go to an HBCU? Of course. <laughs> of course. I mean, yeah, of course. No, they have to. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. What about you, Shadi? Um, yes. Uh, it, it, it's like a big yes. Like, I don't want to force my child to do anything that they don't want to do. But I definitely feel like the love and the pride that they'll see their parents take in from have, having gone to an HBCU will only make them want to go to an HBCU. So I definitely see myself with my child to homecoming to the football game or just to see the campus of different HBCUs. And I love that, you know, my my best friend, my sister, like most, pretty much everybody I know. Yeah. Went to an <laughs> and they're doing really, really well. So yeah. to be surrounded, to bring my child into that atmosphere is hopefully is just gonna make them want mm -hmm. to go to an HBCU. All right. <laughs> All right. So now when you when you write the book, you have editors, you have pretty much everybody on the front end. Then Janae, your mom sends out the link and then, you know, people start buying it and you know, you have people that are outside your sphere that start reading the book what type of feedback have you guys received it's been crazy <laughs> um I, for one because i think my book is super relatable that's the one of the first things i get it's like people say it's relatable it's funny because i am telling personal stories and you know of course life in college and you know just becoming an adult that's you're going to go through a lot of different things. Um, so that's the first thing I know that a lot of people say it's really helping them to start journaling. And that was the whole purpose. And I have people like I've had um, younger kids, like I think like five, six, being able to do it. And then you also have like grown adult men who say they loved it because they can still relate in the book and being able to catch everybody, you know, from all just all areas. Um, and then just knowing that it's helped people, you know, 
I know Smith's book has really like I'm so proud of her because like her book has really been helpful people because she goes so deep in it. Um, but just knowing like one of my friends, she was going through chemo. I didn't even know, but she sent me a picture and she was like, you know, your journal helped me so much. I would write, you know, I would read and journal while I was here at my sessions, you know, getting everything done. And just knowing that, like, it is something that people can actively do and seeing people fill out the pages and the journal entries. Like, I just love to see that happen. Um, so I'm pretty happy nice. about it. <laughs> nice. What about you, Shanice? What type of feedback have you got? So I've gotten sim similar feedback and um, it has definitely just been um, a joyful experience mm -hmm. to know, like, people that I don't know to just tell me like, hey, your book helped me get through this. Like I had a coworker who dad had, and I talk about the loss of my grandfather, who was like my father. He told me he read the book and it actually helped him write his eulogy. Um, well, the eulogy to speak at his father's funeral. So it's just been like literally impacts like that, that I've had people come back and tell me like, this book has helped me. And it's like, really? Like, <laughs> Really, <laughs> and like being a teacher, like so, I've got to see it from all age groups, um, from you know sixty plus men, women, and then my kids to be able to have something like it's 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 good enough that they're able to use me as an outlet. You know, I talk to them all the time outside of school, um, but to have like something tangible for them to say. Or see, like, my teacher is not only a teacher, my teacher is an author, and she's talking about something that I'm experiencing even at 14. Yeah. Because I talk about childhood trauma, and I, this is the age that I was experiencing it in. And it kind of really, like, started to hit home when I started to get those kind of messages like, hey, your book has helped me, or I filled out this page. I only read chapter one, and I can't read, wait to read the rest. Yeah. And I had a student um you know tell me that she was going through or experiencing like suicidal thoughts because she lost her brother and i'm like no way you know because i talked about how i was suicidal in the book at one point and how i lost my sister and i was like okay let's take this moment and so for weeks i let her well like two weeks i let her read a couple of the journal prompts, not even the book, not the pages, just the journal prompts that I created. And she would write. And um, I, she texted me and was like, you know, I, I was having a moment and I thought about what you said. Your words really helped me. And so just to have those kind of impacts on people, it has just been like crazy. Like it's, 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 I don't even know how to find the words. And I know I'm an author, like, words are what we do. But I don't even have the words to express, like, what I feel from just being able to impact so many people. That's that's super dope. That's super dope. What else do you guys want the audience to know about your process, who you are, how to find your book? Kind of opening the floor up for you guys. I'll start with you, Jimmy. Okay. Um, just about me, I think, especially writing and releasing the book, it's just to show you that you have to be vulnerable. That's number one. Um, everybody's going through something and nine six out of 10, we're all going through the same thing. So that's why our books connect with so many people because everybody's experienced loss of some sort. Everybody has dealt with trauma, like, but nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to heal from it. So if you just start at least by addressing those things yourself, you know, then you can continue to move forward. Um, I think I'm really, I'm excited to work on my second book. Like I have everything in mind of what I'm doing for it. Um, I just have to actually sit down and have the time to start writing and doing a little bit more research on what I want to do. But I'm excited now because I have one under my belt. So I know that I can do it again. Um, and then just, you can purchase my book. Like she said, we're on Amazon, but my website is com, And so on there, I have, the book, of course, and I also sell like a few HBCU, um, well, Tuskegee uh, apparel. Um, and then as well, I just work with a lot of things. And I know I said that my journaling Instagram, um, Journal with JC, that's where I have prompts and I do it weekly. Um, try to just keep up to date, give out tips as well. And I that's kind of my 
outlet, like my fun to do is to think every week of, okay, what can I do as a prompt this week? And just give it to people. And I know like, I always get feedback like, yeah, that's a real good one because I never thought of writing about that before. I think the one I just did was the soundtrack of your season, of this season. Um, so to have everybody put a playlist together of like 10 to 15 songs of how you would say, you know, your season is going and also go into detail. Why did you pick this song? So that's always like the things that I like to do to keep it interactive. So if anybody's interested, you know, if you just want a glimpse of the book, I would say the Instagram page is a start. Right. So, yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> what about you, Shanice? Um, I would just like to let anybody that's listening know um, I definitely appreciate the support that you all have given not only to me, but to my best friend as well. Mm -hmm. um, and to know that just being emotionally vulnerable and going into um, so many details of my personal life was like one of the hardest things that I've ever done, but it's been the most rewarding to know that one, I can finally release those things for myself. Like I'm finally free of the pain and the trauma that um, I've pretty much kept buried in for so long. And just to know that it's going to release and help so many other people is definitely um, rewarding. And I appreciate it. Um, like they said, um, we're both definitely doing a lot of things that are geared towards mental health. So not only with our book, me and my sister, we started a nonprofit, the Shantia Alexandria Foundation. Um, and it's geared towards mental health. We have a lot of um, events. Well, we've hosted a number of events, um, yoga um, we do lives that are geared towards different conversations, uh, different mental health stigma. Um, we actually had our first Break the Stigma walk where we just walked um, as a community to break the stigma surrounding mental health, whether it's um, suicide, you know, negative stigma around getting therapy, just those different um, stigmas that are geared to mental health. Uh, we are having the second one this year on September 12th. If anybody would like to join more information on the Shantia Alexandria Foundation um, Instagram or website. Um, my book is available on SincerelyShanice.com, Amazon, Target, Walmart, um, most outlets now, which I am so proud to say. My personal Instagram is just me, Shanice, S-H-A-N-I-C-E. And um, I just hope that I can continue to be a beacon of light in the community as I work with um, the nonprofit, the book, and just continue to teach. Um, right. That's the main one. Um, hopefully, I'm able to touch as many kids as I can, because like you said, you thought back to um, your, your teacher, one of your teachers, you called her by name and you remember exactly what she taught you. So I just hope that I can have that impact on as many kids as I can. Um, so that's just me. <laughs> how I want to double click here. How heavy are secrets and living in the shadows? They're, they're extremely heavy. Um, and it doesn't just break you down, it break the people, it breaks the people around you down you are acting uh even even if you may not notice it, but you know you act and you react based on those secrets and based on the pain that you're har harboring, and a lot of times people they have to feel and go through things just because you are holding your behavior change, um, your response to things change, your you know just the way that you act and react to people that love you and care about you it changes and it you end up hurting more people than you're helping because you're harboring so much these secrets and they bring pain and it takes a lot to hold the secret. Um, it, it may seem easy, like we're just not talking about it. We're just not thinking about it, but then you start to get those emotional triggers and it brings you right back to the very thing that you're trying to hide. Right. Janae, I got one selfish question to ask you. We're thinking about doing an event. Yes. We're thinking about doing HBCU grad cruise and we're thinking about doing the HBCU grad festival. We want the cruise to be bigger than the time joining cruise and we want the festival to be bigger than Essence Fest and everything else. That is. 
what are your thoughts on that? Should we, should we not? What should we look out for? Should we hold it in Atlanta? You know, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> um, don't get me started because, like I said, events are my passion. Events to bring back to. I was working at the convention, working up there. One of the biggest events I did was like K State. Um, they would have their alumni gala, which is a state. Like all of these different colleges are having their huge galas, and we don't do that, you know. I know that Tuskegee, like our Atlanta club, we do like, you know, a jazz brunch, but I still want it to be to where it's like we're bringing all the HBCUs together and you have, you know, our younger crowd because as young professionals, we, we you know, hold weight in every single industry, especially coming from an HBCU. So to just bring everybody together so that we can bring money back and fundraise to get it with where it needs to go to the schools that we love so much. I that that's I'm super passionate about. So right. yes, we need to do it. Atlanta would be a great place, but even traveling that would be something. So yes, I would help with everything. Okay. All right, cool. I'm gonna hold For you sure. to that. Well I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk. I know we've been over times. You know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um if there's anything you can ever do to help, you know, we'll always we'll always help. And um, plug your plug your websites and your IDs one more time for me. Okay. Um, and one last thing, I know she needs both of us forgot to say it. We're doing a book tour. Um, so mm -hmm. first we uh, <laughs> we just had a signing yesterday um here in Atlanta at Atlantic Station. Next Sunday will be at Blue Rose Art Bistro. That's actually the restaurant that I, the Black-owned restaurant in Douglasville that I helped to work with. Um, so we'll be there next Sunday. And then we'll be in Dallas in September. Um, September 19th at the- 18th. 18th, 18th. I was like, am I saying it right? At Soiree um, Coffee Bar. So okay. um, I just wanted to make sure that we put that out there. And then we definitely plan on doing something every single month um so that we can connect with different people of course like we have friends different places so traveling and doing the same thing um but yeah so my website is janaeshe j-a-n-a-e-c-h-e-y-e-n-n-e.com um that's also my instagram name All right. What about you, Shanice? Last, last uh, parting plug. Okay. And my Instagram is just me, Shanice. Um, and I have a Instagram for my book. It's Sincere Stock. And my website is sincerelyshanice.com. Um, so that's where you can find me. Um, I follow back. Um, DM me. I respond to all DMs. Um, even if you have questions advice, anything, I am definitely open to helping anyone in any way. <laughs> cool. One last thing. What are you listening to right now, Janet? What music are you listening to? Oh, <laughs> okay. Of course, you know, I'm going to bring it back to Atlanta. Okay. I like LeBay, okay. so we always got to listen to him, you know. Um, and then I've probably been listening to Larry June, that he gets me motivated. Okay. So, what about you, Shanice? What, what are you listening to right now? I have two moods. Either I'm listening to <laughs> her, Jibion, and um, <laughs> don't don't laugh for real, um, or Brent, or I'm listening to Lil Baby and Future. Okay. Uh, yeah. okay. Those, those are my my two, even though that's five, but those are my two. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thank y'all. I really appreciate this. This is great. Thank you for having Thank us. Right hey guys, before you go, if you're listening on Spotify, click the follow button. It will really help us out. And if you're listening on iTunes, click the subscribe button. And anywhere you're listening, please like, subscribe, and review us. Thanks. Catch you on the next episode.